0: two notebooks because i couldn't find one so i had to take notes for one movie and another book (laughs) excellent what movie is this
1: remember crossfire the uh little metal ball based board game type thing from the 90s
0: yes it was a uh it seemed kind of like air hockey but with like metal beads instead of like a puck like there was like uh I think it looked like a fidget spinner.
1: Yeah, something you, like you that. You would
0: blast it at your friend. I never played it, but... I
1: never did either. I remember the commercials because they were incredibly over the top.
0: I think, uh, yeah, I think with
1: that's... 90s computer-generated stuff and...
0: Kids in uh backwards hat and leather jackets and like an arena of fire, everyone chanting.
1: Yeah, and we're promised that you'll get caught up in the crossfire. It's true. Uh, it's true. This week... We got caught up in the Spitfire, though. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I totally blame Cecil Howard for that.
0: He did. He caught us. He was ahead of the curve. He brought us the Spitfire in 1988, and its mainstream appeal would not be felt for several years.
1: He brought it to us in
0: 1985. Okay. the, The thing said 1988, and I didn't bother to check it.
1: Well that's that's fair. It it says on the internet adult film database eighty four and IMDB says eighty five.
0: It felt much more like a mid eighties picture than a late eighties picture. Yeah, for no, sure. No the nothing was period correct. Yeah. Between the two or three years. Yeah. Uh, between them <laughs> uh this one it's a political thriller starring a lot of our favorite players.
1: Yes, it's uh it's an all star cast.
0: It really is. Uh, we
1: are led uh, with our uh, political leader in this one, Robert Kerman Arbola, mm-hmm. as uh, Victor Kidd. Yes. Who uh, is not terribly unlike, uh, oh God, what was his name in the movie? Uh, the senator in public affairs
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: was shutting down the porno zones.
0: Okay, I didn't know if it was Paul Thomas's character because Arbola is like his campaign manager in that, right? Yes. They're in cahoots in some way. I don't remember the exact nature, but yeah. Yeah, um, he's
1: working with him. He's his
0: goon. He he is a goon, and this one he's been elevated out of goonship. They're spiritual cousins, if not directly related.
1: Exactly, yes.
0: <laughs> but uh yeah, we have uh Arbola. I messed that up.
1: Robert Kerman, Arbola.
0: Arberman. We've got
1: Star of Cannibal Holocaust.
0: Yeah. Was he? Yeah. That's amazing. I I mean, you can
1: make an argument of who's the star, but he was one of the... Well, he was not a cannibal.
0: Well, no, but the cannibals are the stars.
1: Okay, so he's not the star of Cannibal Holocaust. Okay. But he is a featured cast member of a Cannibal Holocaust.
0: I did not know that. I haven't seen... I've only seen that film like once, and I think it was probably before we started the show, so his name meant nothing to me at the time. Yeah. Um. That's cool. That's like how I didn't know that Paul Thomas was in Jesus Christ Superstar.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: we learn a lot. But, uh, yes, he's the patriarch of the Kid Clan, which also includes.
1: Yes, which also includes his wife, uh, Lacey Kid, played by Samantha Fox, mm-hmm. and his daughter, Catherine Kid, played by Tiger, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. here is uh, credited as Chelsea Manchester.
0: Mm-hmm. I, it took me a moment. I thought that was her character's name. Yeah. But uh, it quickly became apparent that's not the case. I guess that was just uh what she had chosen to go by for this one. But uh she's a mainstay in Howard's films. She's been in Scoundrels and the similarly similarly similarly. She's been in Scoundrels and the similarly named Firestorm. Yes. Yes. It, it was a lot. Yeah. I couldn't get that one out.
1: <laughs> uh in addition we have uh, John Leslie in the role of Brian, who's up to some shady stuff, and it isn't totally clear what's going on. But he, we get a little bit of he's it. He's
0: a disgraced psychiatrist. Okay, that would make sense. Yeah, wait, right? He's uh Dr. No, Vargo. No, no that no,
1: no. is uh, that's Eric Edwards. Oh, who sorry, plays sorry. Dr. Vargo, the uh, disgraced sci- or uh, psychologist or psychiatrist.
0: Sorry, yeah.
1: Uh, now John Leslie is, uh, kind of in the wraparound segment, I would say, mm-hmm. although I think he appears a little bit in the he background. does
0: show up in like one scene in the story, but yeah, it's never, he's a presidential aide and mm-hmm. that's really all you ever get to know about him.
1: Yeah. And there, there's something shady going on.
0: Something untoward is going on as a foot in American politics. Um,
1: but yeah, we, we mentioned, uh, Eric Edwards as Dr. Roy Vargo. Yeah. We have uh, Sharon Mitchell as Brenda. She's
0: a, uh, I guess like an investigative journalist.
1: Yeah. And uh, she works with a woman who I don't think was actually named in the movie, but appears in the credits as yeah. uh, Shelly, played yeah. by Ricky Hart, mm-hmm. who's right. only in a few movies, including Firestorm.
0: Yeah. She's a, uh, she just kind of shows up to take a couple photographs in this.
1: Yeah. And and milk a cock.
0: Well, you know. But yes. (laughs) I don't like to spoil it all up front. You know that.
1: Sure. (laughs) Joey Silvera appears as Eddie, who's uh, a friend of the kids, but up to some shit and kind of playing against them.
0: Yeah, he's playing both sides, so he always comes out on top.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And uh, Annie Sprinkle plays Lulu, who is the uh, secretary for Victor Kidd, Mm -hmm. who... uh, Certainly gets involved in things as things progress.
0: I think we haven't seen her in a whole lot, but I think this is probably the most we've seen of her in any one particular film. I know she was in The Haunted Pussy as like a friend. Okay. I don't think she, I don't know if she even, she might have taken her top off, but I don't quite remember what her role was.
1: She was the queen of the sex party in, what movie was that?
0: There so there have been so many sex parties.
1: There was a movie that we watched that was like episodic and Pandora's mirror. She was in Pandora's mirror.
0: okay. I, she
1: was the queen of the club in the in the late right. scene where like the guy takes his wife to the sex club.
0: We only covered that one like um like two months ago yeah <laughs> so that's not great. My memory's really going but uh it was a pretty small role.
1: Yeah, it, it wasn't a big
0: role again. There are other things I remember about that film. More mirror-based than uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember there was an evil mirror that was going to draw her in. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was uh, lovely. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and uh, we have several other people that we'll uh, dig into along the way, but that was the... Uh, more uh tenured class of characters,
0: yeah, I'd say that's the main the main cast
1: uh but we have quite a bit more uh to happen along the way it's uh you know, like a Cecil Howard film, there's a lot of intertwining stories here uh and this may not be his most accomplished work, but it's it's uh it's got some substance to it
0: I don't know that all the storylines get resolved
1: no, I don't think so
0: that's probably okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not drinking today because I'm trying to get the uh, cuts on my fingers to clot. Yeah. Better. Um. So, as part of uh, Black Friday madness and all of the discounts involved, I ordered us a bidet. Okay. And I was like, today. Mm,
0: today's the bidet.
1: Today is the bidet. <laughs> Now, I got done doing all the uh, prep work I needed for the podcast, and it seemed like you were still watching stuff, and indeed you were. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go put this bidet on. So the first thing I had to do was take the toilet seat off the toilet, and on the back of the toilet seat, there are these little plastic covers that you have to take off, and then you can unscrew the toilet seat, and I went to... Pry off one of those plastic things with a screwdriver because it wasn't budging on its own. Yeah. And when I did, my hand slipped when it when it like broke loose, Mm -hmm. and uh, my finger just slid to the left towards uh, the thing, and it just sliced open gashes on two of my fingers.
0: Got mangled.
1: There was like a chunk of my flesh just off, and I was like, "Oh, that sucks!" And I was bleeding pretty heavily for a while
0: that's pretty cool
1: uh and i i got it wrapped up and it seems like it's stopped bleeding now so that's pretty cool uh, Would
0: you but, Like a beer
1: no i think that you know just to make sure i'm still clotting i'm gonna see blood
0: <laughs> come on
1: and then after Sip. all of that i couldn't connect it to my water line because i had the wrong kind of uh like supply line coming from it and I had to go to the store and go buy something and come back. But the good news is, for anybody worried about my asshole, the bidet is now up and functional. Appears to not be leaking and appears to work, so...
0: Do I have to use it?
1: uh, No, you're not allowed to use it.
0: I'm gonna fucking break it. (laughs) Please don't. I'm gonna smash it. I'm gonna come back and finish off the rest of your fingers. No. You need to be nice to me. It's Christmas season.
1: It is Christmas season.
0: Do you want Santa to be rude to you?
1: Santa can go fuck himself.
0: Damn. When you said you had Black Friday deal problems, I had an image of you just uh just like lacerating like half your fingers trying to like tear into your vinegar syndrome package. <laughs> I was awfully
1: excited, but yeah. uh, I was thankfully able to uh, f- get through that part without injuring myself.
0: That's excellent.
1: Yeah. Um, so, this week, I'll add, while we're still talking, we have a lovely episode of uh, Kink Roulette coming to Patreon. Oh, yes. If you want to join us, com slash raincoat report and get this and uh, yet another bonus episode later this month. Uh, we're... Having a good time, we're gonna talk about some holes getting stretched and all kinds of fun stuff.
0: I saw some things today that were uh pretty astounding.
1: <laughs> yeah, we uh I think can,
0: there are devices and contraptions that have been made by human hands that you would not believe. <laughs>
1: So yeah, join us, $5 a month, you get those two bonus episodes, slightly early access to our regular episodes, and uh, it's a fun time, so join us. Yes, please. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we're going to discuss whether or not Jeremy is allowed to use my bidet in the future, and uh, then we'll be back to talk about Spitfire.
0: I bid you bidet. <laughs> you know, that one's good. his strongest bugs to his uh his hardest bugs to his strongest tummies (laughs) you know
1: (laughs) that that must be the explanation to why i was dying dying last week and didn't get to go to thanksgiving
0: (laughs) okay well you know there's a reason for everything i guess the reason we're here today is for you to tell us about spitfire
1: indeed (laughs) So Spitfire opens with some amazing Terry Gilliam style cutout animation. Yeah, it's very Monty Python looking, and uh, amongst the things we see are a sign that says "Vote for Victor" and in quotations "Chastity Kid."
0: Yeah. There's a uh, there's like a tiger that's flashing somebody, and it's got like a dick.
1: Yeah, it's got a raincoat on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we see it walking past uh, like a, a brick wall uh that has like some graffiti on it talking about chastity and stuff. Yeah. Um and we get introduced to our stars with some credits that show pictures of them.
0: They're really nice credits. They he he went all out. Everyone's got like a nice little portrait next to their name.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: We've got the Spitfire uh theme song.
1: Yes. Yes, we do. Um, this film is credited, uh, the writing is credited to Anne Randall sure. and it also says in the credits that she wrote the lyrics to the theme song.
0: I think she did the same for, uh, Firestorm. I think, yes, I think
1: she might've written the one for Scoundrels too.
0: I think she probably wrote everything. Probably. Yeah. She wrote all these songs. She's a have an Anne Randall, like tribute special. Yeah. I have to listen to all her music and read all her works.
1: Indeed. But uh, notable here is John Leslie gets a credit as special guest star, which yeah. is always something that I don't understand in a movie.
0: No. Yeah, that's one of those credits I don't.
1: I understand it on a TV show when yeah. you have the episode of Friends that Robert Downey Jr.'s on and he's a special guest star. Yeah, or because like an he's... episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. where Michael Jackson <laughs> kind
0: of is kind of on it. He's
1: kind of on it
0: but you know my least favorite guest star was
1: the beach boys on home improvement
0: uh no my <laughs> my least favorite guest star was charles manson with the beach boys <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's my favorite he's my favorite beach boy i think
1: he outranks john stamos
0: yeah john stamos didn't
1: <laughs> he played the bongos on kokomo right isn't that what he did,
0: Sean Stamos? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think he inspired that song.
1: That sure, why not?
0: Yeah, why, why the fuck not? I'm just making shit up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's a special guest star. It doesn't make sense in a mo- in a film. Everyone's a guest on the set. Yeah, in a sense. Um,
1: Maybe it's just written into his contract. He was able. He agreed to take fifty less dollars if he got the special guest star credit
0: hope so you know we'll find out i guess as the film continues we
1: probably won't
0: he is a guest star in that he's mostly just in the wraparound segments as we discussed though like yeah he's guesting in this film
1: but it's not like his role is much smaller than a lot of well he he doesn't have any no wait does he have sex
0: oh he has sex all right yeah like the first the very first scene
1: oh yeah (laughs) That's a good point.
0: Thank you. Um
1: I guess he just has one sex scene though. And I guess that's a small part for him.
0: I think so. It's not a leading role. But uh
1: Well, we could talk all day about what qualifies somebody as a special guest star.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a loaded term, you know? <laughs> it's,
1: it's a lot of history to it.
0: It's meant to cause division. <laughs>
1: That's why you see all those memes on Twitter about it.
0: Yeah, it's like uh, how they like they call like everyone who believes something crazy like a conspiracy theorist. So you don't believe in actual conspiracies.
1: Oh yeah, this yeah. is
0: like uh, that, but for like guest stars. <laughs> yes. How do they exist in the spectrum from television to film?
1: It's a very heated topic.
0: It's heated, and I don't think we really need to get into it today. Yeah,
1: it's too politically charged for our podcast. Yeah. So we see a shot of the city, and a phone rings, and we watch as Brian, John Leslie's character, answers it. When he answers it, it had been ringing a little bit. Uh, He says, "Oh shit, it seems like he missed the caller. He's having a drink of brown when the phone rings again. Mm -hmm. He answers and tells the person on the other end, who appears to be his wife, that he just got out of the shower. She apparently yells at him for missing her call earlier and uh, he kind of diverts away from the question, asking how the kids are. It's at about this time that Lacey kid, played by Samantha Fox, walks into the room. She makes eyes at Brian as he tries to wrap up the conversation with his wife. His wife's apparently asking him what she's hearing in the background, and he tells her it's just the TV. Lacey pours some brown into a cup as Brian argues with his wife more. He tells her he doesn't want to say something over the phone, but he finally does, telling her that he has a hard on as big as his arm. He's gonna throw her down and fuck her when he gets home. Yes.
0: There's a nice creative touch in this, the as a uh as Lacey comes into the room, you get a shot of the television and the title screen that says The Stranger.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: There's nothing else like that in the film, as far as I could tell, but <laughs> it's a good little touch to uh, introduce her in like a, it's a nice, nice bit of flair.
1: Yeah. After Brian hangs up the phone, he asks Lacey how she got in the room, as Lacey herself says, how did you get in the room? They say it at the same time. She babbles a bit, but finally reveals that she followed him up from the bar. She talks about how she saw the way he moved and how his pants looked on him and she was turned on so she went to the people at the desk of the hotel and told them that she was his wife and got a key to the room, which is a very poor security on their part. Lacey won't tell him who she is and notes that he probably thinks she's a whore. He does, and she says good and tells him to lie on the bed so she can show him. Instead, She's the one who lays down, and Brian opens up her bra and starts to kiss on her cheek, making her tell him that she's a whore. He works his way down her body, and she demands that he eat her pussy, and he indeed does, flicking his tongue across her clit in a close-up. After a bit, the phone rings, and she tells him not to answer it. He has her stroke his cock a bit, and then he penetrates her as she lays on her back, and he kneels on his knees on the bed in front of her. She plays with her clit as he fucks her. Brian lays some pipe for quite a while, and she asks if he wants her to suck him and make him come. He gets up and straddles her chest as she sucks and licks his cock. It's here that we see John Leslie's face, and he's sweating hard, as he is known to do. He's
0: sweating hard, and it seems like the white or something is right over him. There's just this intense white behind him the whole time as you're looking up into his sweaty, sweaty face.
1: (laughs) We watch as he finishes in her mouth and on her chin and neck as he says, Do your job, whore. Afterwards, we see them lying together in bed, and Brian demands that she tell him about herself. She explains that she used to be married, and her husband had a kid of his own. It's here that we're introduced to Victor Kidd in a flashback. He's running for office on some sort of chastity platform. Yes I think he's running for Senator. I don't know that it's clear. No,
0: I don't think it's not president, but it's not it's, president. but I think he's yes, yeah, Senator or something like that. Uh, one of those many elected positions. Uh, but he is hoping to win the chat, or at least to unite the chastity belt, which is a it seems like a vertical line just going or like a horizontal line, no not horizontal uh
1: left to right would be horizontal if that's... well,
0: it's like a skew it's like it's like just diagonal like a diagonal line, yes, thank you. <laughs> I haven't had to think of that word in forever, okay, I'll ever think in diagonals. <laughs> but there's just a diagonal line across the map that uh I don't know if it makes a lot of sense but I don't know the politics of uh these people
1: so we see a tv story on him that includes Catherine pulling up her dress and exposing herself they're talking you know like you said about chastity be- well ch- the chastity belt and chastity belts mm-hmm. and uh we see Vic sitting on the couch next to Lulu, Annie Sprinkle's character. And she's talking about commercials and interviews and such that he needs to do. Uh, Lacey, again Vic's wife, asks him if he's going to continue this farce, noting that their daughter is a raging nympho. Lacey says she's going later to pick up Dr. Vargo to deal with their daughter, but Victor says that Catherine has to be with him for his public appearance tomorrow. (laughs) We see Lacey take off in her car as Catherine watches her from the bushes. Catherine, again, being played by Tiger. Yes. After Lacey leaves, we see Catherine laying in the grass. And then we cut to what eventually seems to have been a flashback that Catherine's, I guess, thinking of as she's laying in the grass. We see Catherine in her bed being tucked in by her dad. She wants to stay up, but he tells her that the men are going to be up late talking politics and she needs to get her beauty sleep. Catherine tells him she's going to help make him famous and he's excited. So he leaves the bedroom and we see that the whole time there was a gentleman hiding behind the door and it is Your Honor the Mayor,
0: played by. Okay. Yes. I didn't look at his credit. I thought he was a judge because they called him Your Honor.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's the mayor played by Milton Ingley. Okay. Who uh, we've seen before.
0: Yeah, we've seen old Milt.
1: Catherine quickly undresses to her panties and she guides the mayor's hands to her vagina as she talks about some time that he fingered her at dinner. She tells the mayor to play with himself and he strokes a bit and then starts to finger her, eventually tearing away her panties and beginning to go down on her. After a moment, she tells him to take his pants off, and then tells him that he's too fat to fuck her, Yeah, and instead she'll fuck him. So he lays down on the bed, bottomless, with his suit top fully intact, and Catherine rides his cock for a moment, and he pulls out and strokes to finish soon after.
0: Yeah, he busts pretty quick, but he makes a a sizable load. Yes. How old is she supposed to be? Did they say...
1: They did not. It seems like she's probably supposed to be a minor.
0: Yeah, I think that's what we're supposed to believe in this I would
1: guess she's supposed to be like 16 or something.
0: I think so. I want to say the news report might have mentioned her age as 16. Maybe. But I don't remember the specific dialogue. But yeah, her porn child's bedroom is better than most, I will say.
1: Yeah, there's... There
0: are stuffed animals, but... They're more like I don't know, age appropriate stuffed animals, like souvenirs you would get from the zoo, and not like teddy bears.
1: Yeah, and usually there's like a hundred of them.
0: Yeah, there's just a couple on a desk, and there's also some books, so you know she's old enough to read. (laughs) And uh,
1: and that's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, if uh, I bet there's probably some pedophile saying that starts with "old enough to read." Oh, oh, I thought of it. I'm not going to say it.
1: All right. Well, we'll Well, uh, move
0: along, please. The love of god Ugh. well i don't like that i know what rhyming is anymore
1: <laughs> uh well okay so it's at that point we see that catherine and the mayor are cuddling a bit and then lacy walks in to find catherine on top of the mayor she's upset and then we cut back to catherine laying in the grass Meanwhile, inside, Vic is talking to Lulu, dictating some stupid speech about immorality as she writes it down. Victor asks about Eddie, and apparently, he's talking to somebody that they refer to as that bitch, uh, and that's Turn- Brenda.
0: Sharon Mitchell. Yes, and she looks great in this film.
1: She does. She's like got- she
0: always looks good, but she's just got like a lot of her character has like a lot of style and stuff that really like. Uh, Accentuates her uh, her looks.
1: Yeah, she's got like this. Uh, she's got this like gray tint to her hair. Yeah,
0: yeah, which is
1: interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but yeah, she works as a writer for I think they say it's Strobe Light Magazine. Yeah,
0: it's a yellow rag. <laughs> That's what he calls it.
1: So then we cut to Eddie and Brenda. So again, uh, as you said, Brenda is uh, Sharon Mitchell and Eddie is Joey Silvera. She's pumping him for info about Vic and his chastity bullshit. She wants more interesting info than, you know, him not being true to his chastity thing. So Eddie tells her about Dr. Vargo, who is a disgraced uh, psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't really go too into details about what happened at this point.
0: You know, he's, he's up to no good.
1: But they do mention... Something about some Satanist girl he was working with, or something you know, like something, that.
0: There's something they kind of mumble something about like a Satanist cult, yeah. and uh, he had been dismissed by the AMA. So he wasn't really, I guess, technically like a doctor anymore, right. or at least not one who's allowed to practice.
1: But uh, I think we get a little more info later on.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but this film's message of chastity is really concerning in these times, you know?
1: Yeah, it truly is.
0: Uh, a couple of years ago and we did public affairs and we got up in a tizzy about them trying to take away our porno zones right it was kind of we were just having a laugh you know ha ha he he but uh been troubling developments in the world since then oh yeah you know uh more and more you see it every day people just mad about porn people who for reasons beyond me as someone who watches a Quite a bit of pornography, all mostly in a professional sense. They get addicted to it. Is that right? Uh, I don't. That's what they say. It feels like one of those things where.
1: Well, okay, so I would say that it is definitely possible. Most things. It is definitely possible to be addicted to porn.
0: Yeah, I think it can definitely be a destructive force in your life, but. It isn't the porn itself though, obviously, right? Right. It's like it's, it's you uh, having
1: an addictive personality
0: or yeah. if you
1: weren't addicted to porn, you'd be addicted to like poker
0: or Yeah, you would f- football or whatever. You'd probably find something, but uh for the most part I don't know, I've never really had like a big problem with it. There was a guy in high school who got in trouble for like like I think he was doing like some supposed to be doing something else, but was just like in like a computer lab by himself, and just they like, caught him like jerking off, and we're like, well, maybe he's addicted to porn, yeah. But also, he's also just he's like sixteen, so yeah, I would. I think uh, you
1: have to be pretty far down the road to really be considered addicted to porn, because it has to be for it to be an addiction. It has to be something that's negatively impacting your life,
0: right? And uh I would say. Being on the time sink i don't think this show has ever negatively impacted my life yeah uh i mean i could be outside like playing like frisbee right now but odds are i would still be over here like probably just watching a movie anyway
1: right we'd just be watching a porno together (laughs) yeah we would
0: just be watching so this is actually better because we're talking and navigating our feelings about the porno you know
1: yeah we can unpack it so that it doesn't weigh on our conscience yeah so it doesn't give
0: us (laughs) so it doesn't give us false impressions but uh, as I said troubling developments here and there but most recently I would say in the form of uh, prospective presidential candidate uh, Yi
1: Yi Yay, whichever it is yeah
0: I'm not sure the
1: former Kanye
0: yeah but as I said earlier, the shoes are called Yeezys, so I've just been kind of going based on that.
1: Yeah, I thought it was Ye because his name's Con- Kanye, but yeah. I can see what you're saying about the Yeezys. That yeah. throws a wrench in the whole
0: Yeah. You know, that's just uh but that's just fashion. And that's okay. But uh he's he's trying to come for our livelihoods.
1: He really is. Point.
0: Um he was recently banned then unbanned and then banned again from twitter but uh in that short period he said many things as i'm sure listeners are aware of and we're not going to dwell on that too much because uh you can pull my my man card if you want but i don't like the hitler guy too much you know yeah if that th- makes me less of a cool guy to you then i'm sorry
1: yeah uh we'll we'll Boss, take the specifically. hot specifically <laughs> i think the raincoat <laughs> report is okay with taking the hot take that uh, Hitler is bad and people just being anti-Semitic all the time isn't good.
0: Yeah, I would say that in general. But uh, So we can bypass all that. But uh, he sent out a couple messages, a couple missives. The first, uh, remove any and all forms of pornography from Twitter and every platform. Pornography is the product of pedophilia, which uh, he misspelled. Uh, when grown men look at porn, they're watching someone's daughter relive trauma for money.
1: Yeah, that's quite a take.
0: Yeah, that's, um, it sure is. That's, uh, that doesn't seem to be the main experience I've taken away from like interacting with like adult film stars on social media for the most part. Yeah. Like you get some here and there that seem to regret performing, but a lot of them are just like, it was just a job. And uh my take on it, and this is I guess mostly more about old porn than like new thing on internet porn, which uh I guess those are two kind of separate things, yes. but they all are also all encompassed under the one umbrella. Most people seem to have enjoyed their time in it, and uh the abuse in it is probably about as bad as regular Hollywood, I would imagine.
1: I would say that from what I've heard, it is slightly lower than Hollywood
0: Yeah, because
1: there's more attention being paid to, well, when you're, when you're working with a reputable group, at least there's more attention being paid to making sure people are comfortable and stuff. I could see that. And there's less, like, I remember, um, I can't remember who it was, but I remember listening to the Rialto report and one of the, uh, female porn stars of the golden age mm-hmm. was on there talking, and she talked about how she uh, she appreciated doing porn more than the little bit of Hollywood work that she did because she was like, well, you know, going to Hollywood, they wanted to they wanted me to have sex with them to get parts and stuff. Whereas yeah. in porn, I didn't have to have sex to get parts; I just had to have sex on camera. Yeah, <laughs> and that, that was my job.
0: Yeah, like that to me. At least seems less degrading overall. I would say it's at least more straightforward in like yeah, because I mean the one like you're gonna have sex either way, but in the one it's uh it's definitely way more of a power imbalance. Yeah, to, exactly uh, in a like regular Hollywood. So, um, that's my understanding of it. I don't know that it's a product of pedophilia.
1: Yeah, I you know. Obviously, there are people who have worked in porn who have experienced trauma before getting into porn, and perhaps while being in porn in some cases, but uh, I think that his take, first off, blanketly applying that to a whole industry of people who, the majority of whom aren't being exploited beyond what they're aware of. Right. And... Secondly, uh, him tying it all to pedophilia is a very, very tenuous connection.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's great. Uh, then his second statement was, the use of porn destroyed my family, but Jesus will heal everything, which is, uh, that's basically the message that you get from all of these guys, mm-hmm. is that porn somehow wrecked their life, um, but... Now they're overcorrecting to being like, uh, Jesus freaks. Yeah. Uh, above and be all anything. And unfortunately in America, that basically also means being like a fascist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. yeah it, we've, it's, it's tough. We've discussed perhaps doing a Patreon episode where we dig deep into this, but uh, I think it's yeah. good that we at least covered the, uh, the, the time, the, uh, appropriate.
0: Yeah, get it out happened. there now. And uh, another thing I learned that is... Yay. Uh, Yay. Yeah, yeah Is, yeah. It, <laughs> is a... Uh, apparently a Clarence Thomas-like figure in his addiction to pornography. He would often show it to uh, assistants, anyone like that, or just have it playing during meetings.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And he was like, I need this to focus. So... <laughs> he has got He's a man with quite a few problems, and I, I think it's safe to say the least of all is, maybe not the least of all is his porn use, but... Uh,
1: Certainly not at the top of the list.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that he, other things probably destroyed his family above and beyond porn. Uh, it does sound like he's a man who has some real problems. I don't know if addiction, I don't know, I guess it is. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling here.
1: I think that he uh, probably needs more mental health uh, ha- care than he's getting.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the crew he's been hanging around with is no good. They're a bunch of dirty little rats. <laughs> One of them is named Sneeko. And I you didn't can't know as- that. <laughs> you can't associate with a man named Sneeko. That's bad. He's like a Mario villain. <laughs> it's like a little turtle that comes up and stabs you. ain't right but uh i guess my final analysis is that porn isn't the one ring it's not going to destroy your life but uh you should use it responsibly yeah as all addictive substances are yes and like we
1: at the raincoat report know all about addictive substances like when
0: i put a little drop of gorilla glue on my bowl (laughs) that's fine if i only do it once a week (laughs) You know? Uh, You ever smoke that glue? No. Oh. Want to try? Maybe later. Okay.
1: I better get through this podcast before I go smoking glue.
0: Yeah, we deviated quite a bit, but I felt like this would probably be the appropriate moment. We're early enough in the film now that it's not derailing it too much. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll find a way to edit a lot of what I said down to be more concise. Sure. But... I guess Jesus probably isn't going to fix everything.
1: Well, he hasn't yet.
0: No. Still waiting. (laughs) All right. Let's see what... um, Let's go back to 1985 when things are simple.
1: So, Eddie's uh, still talking to Brenda. He mentions that Victor's daughter is seeing uh, this Dr. Vargo that he was talking about. But uh, Eddie also tries to shift the conversation to them... Banging for old times' sake. Meanwhile, at home, Victor is coming on to Lulu, talking about how her tits are always sticking out and looking great, as uh, Catherine watches from the window outside. He
0: calls them big hard tits, which <laughs> I don't like. They're hard tits to me are like bad implants, you yeah. know, like or maybe someone who's like boulder like. It's like a boulder like skin.
1: Yeah, and thankfully Annie Sprinkles are... uh,
0: Like a Goron.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Annie Sprinkles' tits aren't very Goron-like. Excellent. Uh, They are uh, nice and juicy. Victor talks about a class that he taught on sexual repression where Lulu watched from the front row with her legs spread open the whole time. Victor then unbuttons Lulu's top and pulls her breasts out of her bra. Lulu says she feels so weird when he does that to her, but she can't finish what she's saying, but Victor says, Your tits. He talks about how hard she's making his cock and asks if her pussy's wet. She takes her top off, leaving her bra on that her tits are spilling out of. Victor drops his pants, and Lulu starts to suck his cock. He tells her that they don't have much time, and Lulu lays Uh, back on the couch and Victor pulls her panties aside as she plays with her clit she tells him she wants him to fuck her pussy with his hot prick he fingers her a bit after pulling her panties away and after a moment Vic starts to fuck her as Catherine plays with herself watching from the window outside Victor fucks away for a bit then lays on his back and has Lulu suck him more getting a little toothy with it (laughs) She strokes his cock and he tells her to give him her tits. So she strokes and finishes him off onto her tits and uh, sucks his cock a bit more, collapsing on top of him. Moments later, she asks, what happened? And Vic says, what have we done? (laughs) It's at this point that Catherine comes in, asking Vic how hot Lulu is. Vic tries to explain his way out of it, but Catherine takes off. She's fully aware of what her dad's up to. Yeah. At this point, Vic gets a call and uh, tells Lulu to cover herself as Lacey will be there any moment. So I think that Vic got a call from Brian at this point. Uh, we cut to Eddie and Brenda.
0: Oh, that's right, because he has to go to a meeting. Yeah. I keep forgetting that Brian is John Wesley. I keep forgetting he has a name. Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking I think you're talking about the, the dog from Family Guy.
1: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> We cut to Eddie and Brenda entering a hotel room. Brenda asks if there's even room service here. They apparently do, as Eddie orders the house special, without them asking what the special is.
0: There was an episode where Brian was directing porn, like, real early on. It was, like, the first or second season. It's a two-parter. Oh,
1: yeah, that's where... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's like ashamed of directing porn, but he wins like a Woody Award or something like that.
0: Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, there's a good, there's a good joke about they have like the best composer award, and it's just like a couple guy, like sleazy looking guys with like synthesizers and mixers and stuff, and then the last one is a John Williams. Yeah, it's John Williams. (laughs) Yeah, solid stuff. Good, good callback. We just did our own family style, family man style cutaway.
1: Our own family-style, family-man-style (laughs) cutaway. Yeah. (laughs) As uh, Vic and Lulu are getting redressed, Vic tells Lulu to tell his wife he had to go to a meeting, and uh, he also tells her to put those things, her tits, away. The phone rings again, and Catherine answers uh, elsewhere in the house, and it's Eddie on the other end. She tells Eddie that the doctor's on the way there, and her dad is banging the secretary. (laughs) After Eddie hangs up, he and Brenda, back in their hotel room, decide they've got a little spare time, and they start to make out. We then cut to Lulu at uh, Vic's place, as Lacey and Dr. Vargo come in. And again, Dr. Vargo is Eric Edwards. Yes. Lulu explains that Vic is meeting someone. Lacey notes that it smells like Lulu has been drinking. We cut back to Lacey with uh, Brian in bed. In the wraparound.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're back to the wraparound here.
1: He's asking her about the doctor uh, as he gets a phone call from somebody. I believe it's a senator. Yeah. Um, This is
0: where you learn he's like an aide.
1: Yeah, it's here that Lacey tells him specifically that her husband's name was Vic. We then cut to Brian meeting Vic in the the story that we've been following. Mm Mm-hmm. Somewhere dark as they're both wearing trench coats and being very conspicuous. Yeah. Vic hands Brian an envelope full of cash and they're talking about stashing money in Switzerland. It seems like Brian might be blackmailing him or something. I'm not really sure what's happening.
0: Did the audio cut out a little bit for you in this scene? Yes. I, okay. I,
1: it must be something with the original film or okay. something. Or yeah. the elements that they had. Because, yeah, I, 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 it cut out and I was like, is it me playing back weird? And I like skipped back and then tried to play it on right. something it else. Happened and it happened a little
0: bit earlier in the film, but yeah. it didn't maybe rub out a crucial element of the plot right. like it did here. <laughs>
1: But uh, Vic tells Brian that they're partners, and Brian says, don't forget about me. We then cut to Dr. Vargo talking to Lacey. He confirms her child is dealing with some sort of sexual fugue state. Yeah. We cut to Eddie and Brenda in their hotel room as Jojo, the room service guy, shows up. He comes in with the special of the day, and it's oatmeal. (laughs) Oh, good. JoJo notes that Eddie's car is getting towed, so Eddie runs out, and uh, after he leaves, JoJo asks if there's anything he can do for Brenda, and she says, maybe they can work something out. And we cut to her riding JoJo in bed.
0: Yeah, well, some uh, very Chuck Berry-like guitar goes off in the background for a while, Um, and he's just a a guy on a bellhop, he's dressed like a bellhop, Rizzo the Rat, Yeah, getting getting his dick wet.
1: We see her suck his cock briefly, and then he's fucking her doggy styled and missionary. He pulls out soon after and comes uh, just a little bit on her pubes. Eddie comes back in and notes that that wasn't his car. He finds Jojo and Brenda in bed naked together. Uh, Eddie is not completely bothered by this and starts to make out with Brenda a bit uh, as he gets naked again. And as this is happening, this is when Shelly, the photographer, busts in and takes a picture of them. Mm -hmm. Brenda notes, that's uh, my photographer friend, and Eddie storms off. We then cut to Lacey talking to Dr. Vargo. Lacey says this needs to be taken care of soon, and notes that she's been referring a lot of people to Dr. Vargo, so he owes her. She mentions that Mrs. Fairchild is one of those people, but unfortunately... The situation around her, unknown to Lacey, is kind of bad for Dr. Vargo.
0: Yeah, apparently.
1: Uh, Dr. Vargo is surprised to learn that she referred Mrs. Fairchild to him, asking if she read about it in the paper, and she seems not to have. So he explains that Mrs. Fairchild was under his care and pretended to be very wealthy. We then cut to him fucking Miss F- Mrs. Fairchild for a bit. Uh, and Mrs. Fairchild is played by Gail Sterling. Mm -hmm. He's fucking her doggy style and Missionary, and we see her ride him reverse cowgirl, and uh, soon after he pulls out and comes, and she sucks his cock a bit more. We then cut to afterwards, where Mrs. Fairchild is pretty happy, noting that she can even come with her husband now, as long as she imagines Dr. Vargo. Of course. Dr. Vargo then... Explains to her that she owes him $10,700 for the last five months of care. Mm-hmm. $10,000 for the fucking and $700 for cleaning the carpets and the couch.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, <laughs> Private insurance screws you again, you know? Yeah.
1: Mrs. Fairchild is shocked that he's even charging her, and he notes, I'm a professional, and she says, you call this therapy? It's at that point that Mrs. Fairchild calls out to Raoul. Yeah. The uh, large black dude with a Chester A. Arthur facial hair going on. Mm -hmm. She tells him that this man has violated me, and Raul then knocks out Dr. Vargo
0: and picks
1: up the phone to call Governor Fairchild, who is apparently her husband.
0: Yes. So I don't think it's that she wasn't rich, I just don't think she wanted to pay. Right. (laughs) And uh, Raul, I guess, is maybe her driver. Her or driver or attendant
1: of some sort.
0: Before I knew the gist, I thought it was maybe like her pimp, and I was like, was her pimp just driving <laughs> her here every day to get fucked and no one was getting paid? Yeah, uh, I don't know. That doesn't seem to be the case. That's bad pimp business.
1: We cut back to Dr. Vargo talking to Lacey. So again, we're having flashbacks within flashbacks in this film. Mm-hmm. Lacey apologizes for the situation, and Dr. Vargo says that He appreciates Lacey and immediately tells her afterwards to take off her pants. We cut to Lulu looking into a mirror, and she writes, Chastity sucks on the mirror in lipstick.
0: Yeah, she's had a taste, and she doesn't want to go back.
1: Yeah. Lacey tells Dr. Vargo she's never cheated on her husband before, and Dr. Vargo asks if the door locks. Lacey says, I'll just put a chair under the knob. Eddie then walks into the kid house, just as Catherine, fully nude, walks into the foyer and tells Eddie that she had a bad dream. She asks Eddie to hold her, so he picks her up and carries her to her room, just as we see Brenda and Shelly show up in a van that, for some reason, has the words... Fag guard on the door of the van.
0: Yeah, I don't know what that is. I thought maybe that was going to be like an organization in this film. I thought this was. I didn't catch who they were at first, so I thought these were new characters.
1: Right. Yeah, that never came into play, but it is odd that there's just this weird homophobic seeming phrase on the door.
0: I I mean, maybe it's a guard for fags.
1: Perhaps. I don't know what it is. Uh, It's certainly not the terminology we would use today. (laughs) Whatever it is.
0: Dr. Jeffrey Faggard. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, all I can find is this doctor who looks kind of fucked up. I don't want to look at him anymore.
1: Okay, so we see Eddie carrying Catherine to her bed as Brenda and uh, Shelly scale some walls and apparently sneak into the house. After Eddie sets Catherine on her bed, she tells him not to go. She's scared of the dark. We cut away to Lacey stroking Dr. Vargo's cock. Catherine asks Eddie to tuck her in, and then she starts to suck on his finger. She asks him to kiss her, which he refuses to do. Then she pulls the covers away, exposing her naked body, and asks if he wants to taste her all over. She rubs his hand against her clit, and she grabs his cock. We then cut to Lacey doing some real expert handwork for Dr. Vargo, grabbing on and stroking his cock with both hands. Meanwhile, Catherine is stroking Eddie's cock. She notes that the doctor's downstairs. As Eddie rubs Catherine's clit, she moans, and he unsuccessfully tries to quiet her. Meanwhile, Lacey mounts Dr. Vargo as he sits on the couch and she rides him in a reverse cowgirl position as she tells him to, as she says, use her pussy. Mm -hmm. She rides away and plays with her clit. Meanwhile, we see Brenda walk in through a side door and she and Shelly are watching Lacey ride uh, Dr. Vargo's cock, apparently. We see Eddie and Catherine a bit more, and then cut to Doctor Vargo fucking Lacy doggy style. As this is happening, they hear a car door shut, and Doctor Vargo says, "Oh God!" and he hurries up, fucking her harder. And he pulls out and comes on her ass. And they quickly redress as Vic walks in.
0: It seems like they're in a room deeper in the house yeah. than you would think. But yeah. I have a theory: of this I have a theory that this house has thin walls. <laughs>
1: Well, Lacey introduces Vic to Dr. Vargo, and meanwhile upstairs, Catherine's riding Eddie reverse cowgirl. Lulu then barges into Catherine's room. She came to take the dress that she lent Catherine away. Lulu calls Catherine disgusting, and Catherine says that Lulu's nasty.
0: I feel like there's no way Catherine and Lulu are wearing the same size dress.
1: Probably not,
0: no. even, like, from the sense of it, like, there's way more bust. On a Sprinkle than on a tiger.
1: Yeah, uh Annie Sprinkle is a uh, quite a busty lady and Tiger is uh more of a more of a thinner woman mm-hmm. with uh less curvature.
0: Yeah, I just don't
1: I don't see it. Well Lulu says that I'll show you nasty. We cut back downstairs and Vic, Lacey and Doctor Vargo are talking. Vic notes Dr. Vargo has been red and sweating since he came home, noting that he doesn't want him to get his daughter sick. Dr. Vargo assures him it's just basic hypertension. Vic brings up troubles with Dr. Vargo's clinic in the past, and Dr. Vargo quickly turns the conversation, saying that he knows how many doctors turned down treating his daughter. Meanwhile, Catherine is straddling Eddie's face as Lulu rides Eddie's cock. Vic and Lacey are downstairs calling each other bitch and asshole as Eddie is fucking Lulu missionary upstairs. Eddie pulls out and finishes in and around Catherine's mouth. It's about this time that Vic hears the moaning from upstairs, and Vic yells out, Eddie, I'll kill you! He apparently knows it's Eddie immediately.
0: He knows the kind of designs that Eddie has on his daughter.
1: (laughs) So Eddie hears this and panics. Lulu's trying to get him to fuck her again, and instead he has to jump out the window. Uh, Apparently he had no means of climbing, he just hopped out and landed and fucked up his ankle.
0: He fucked up a lot of himself.
1: Yeah, he's got a... we see him later with bruises on his head and a bandage.
0: He's a... yeah.
1: We see Brenda and Shelly getting back in their van and and taking off. Vic breaks into Catherine's room, seeing Catherine and Lulu in bed together. He then grabs his chest and collapses. We cut to Vic laying unconscious in bed. Dr. Vargo says that Nurse Watson here will take care of him. Who is Nurse Watson? Nurse Watson is a lovely woman played by Susan Narrow. Okay. Who uh, is quite herself a busty lady. Yeah. We cut to the hotel, and Eddie is laying in the bed there uh, with his ankle wrapped up, and he has a huge bruise and bandage on his head. Brenda leaves saying she needs to work on this story, leaving Eddie there with Shelley. At Vic's place he awakens as Nurse Watson's holding his head near her breast. She says it's time for his treatment. Meanwhile, doctor Vargo is working with Catherine. Lacey's also in the room with them, and doctor Vargo sends her away. He holds up a mirror and tells Catherine to lift up her nightgown and open her legs. He tells her she's beautiful like a flower, soft petals opening and closing. He tells her after he says her name three times, she'll awaken, not remembering any of this. They pause for a few moments, and then Catherine asks, Is she gone? Referring to her mother, who at first was sitting right outside the doorway, but walked away just before this.
0: Now, Lacey has been a patient of Dr. Vargo before. It seems like she should know how he operates.
1: I didn't realize that Lacey was a patient. Yeah,
0: uh, it seems like it said that I think when they were talking earlier that he had said she had been one of the best sex surrogates at his clinic at one point. Oh, okay. So at least had been employed by him, if nothing else.
1: Gotcha. Catherine tells Dr. Vargo that she missed him. We cut back to Nurse Watson, who's caressing Vic, rubbing his cock with her tits out and putting a leather snap Cockering around his junk. Oh, excellent. Meanwhile, Catherine is blowing Doctor Vargo. We cut back to Nurse Watson who's now blowing Vic. She starts to play with his asshole a little bit and then pulls out an enema bag, building some anticipation that is unfortunately never delivered on.
0: No. But she's a she's a pretty talented lady. She can really be through the dick. You you see it in action.
1: You do. Dr. Vargo's now fucking Catherine, pinning her legs up and pounding away. Meanwhile, Lacey's just pacing alone as all this depravity goes down in different rooms. Nurse Watson is playing with her tits as Catherine is riding Dr. Vargo's cock upstairs. He pulls out and Catherine strokes him to finish him off. Nurse Vargo then puts on gloves and a face mask, and I thought for sure he was she was about to like finger his ass or something.
0: No, the... Maybe there's a cutscene from this that had some anal play.
1: Perhaps. She then starts to ride Vic's cock cowgirl. Soon she yells out that she's coming and she writhes around. She dismounts and strokes his cock, finishing him off, and just as he comes, she cracks open some smelling salts and he writhes around. Yeah. We then cut to Dr. Vargo and Catherine redressing. Dr. Vargo says phase one is complete. And then says, "Now
0: phase two. So the plan was. Do you, can you understand their plan? I, uh, I think later I on,
1: it. I get some of. I get more of it. But, but I also moment, don't. Yeah, at we the don't.
0: Moment, I don't understand phase one.
1: Yeah, we don't understand at this point. And later on, I think it becomes clear that Catherine is not in on all the phases anyway.
0: Phase one, don't. It's a psychiatrist. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna happen
1: we've talked a lot on the raincoat report about psychiatrists I'm
0: coming out against it more (laughs) and more every time we watch a film
1: Eddie is in bed still injured and Shelly caresses him she asks if it hurts and he says it doesn't hurt too bad she stands up and undresses as we see the remnants of a large Kentucky Fried Chicken meal in the background
0: there's a lot of it (laughs) yeah
1: they had a big bucket and a few different bags
0: yeah a couple sides Probably some potato wedges back when they still had potato wedges.
1: Probably some of that gravy. Yeah. Potatoes. Gravy potatoes. He asks if she's always this kind to strangers, and she says only to strangers she really likes. And she really likes Eddie. (laughs) We then see Lacey walk into Catherine's room. Dr. Vargo's pretending to awaken her from hypnotism. Catherine says she feels so refreshed and normal. Lacey says Catherine can help her decorate the house tonight and tells her to get dressed. Meanwhile, Eddie is uh, making out with a now-nude Shelley. Vic is in bed, now wearing an oxygen mask. Yeah, he's dying. <laughs> Nurse Watson says they need to do this again. Doctor's orders. Eddie is going down on Shelly, and this continues for a few, and Shelley clearly enjoys it. They make out some afterwards, and then we cut back to the kid home, where they're setting up cameras for a TV interview. They're doing makeup and such. We see Eddie watching this on TV. Vic is then talking directly to the camera, to the people at home on TV. He introduces his wife and daughter. Lacey on TV says, A vote for her husband is a vote for chastity. She talks up her innocent daughter, who is too shy to talk she says although immediately Catherine says that I can talk but was interrupted yeah Vic tells the audience that rumors about his health are totally unwarranted he then goes on the whole morality chastity thing he tells people at home to accompany their vote their votes with money and they can bring chastity one to the people oh yeah I which forgot I that guess was, is the name yeah of his they plan.
0: mentioned that yeah that's the name of it I don't get it but that's yeah. what it's called
1: Catherine interrupts this by standing up and completely undressing on TV, talking about how she's burning she's so hot, asking the people at home if they want to reach out and fuck her. Vic collapses on the desk as this happens. We then cut to later and see Catherine in a black dress. Apparently her father has died. Yeah, he's dead. (laughs) Lacey, also dressed in black, says she can't believe that Vic did this to them. Catherine asks why they have to go to Switzerland, noting that she wanted to stay nearby. Catherine goes and pours a couple of glasses of champagne for them, then picks up the phone and places a call to Dr. Vargo. Phase two is complete. She tells him that she's going to do it, in quotes now. He says a couple of drops should be enough, and as the call ends, we see Lulu blowing Dr. Vargo. He says, that's the end of Phase 2, and it's time for Phase 3. We watch as Lulu titty-fucks Vargo and strokes him to finish on her tits. Catherine brings Lacey the drink, and Lacey yells, Oh my god, a bat! And points in the opposite direction. And when she does, she takes the tray that the drinks are on and rotates them. Seemingly, she is uh, not trusting her daughter at this
0: point. Yeah. Or her
1: stepdaughter or whatever. It's
0: the old switcheroo.
1: Catherine then distracts Lacey and then rotates the tray a second time. Lacey then distracts Catherine again, rotating the tray once again. Catherine asks what happened to all the money and Lacey says Vic's partner took it all and if she ever gets a hold of his cock, she's going to bite it off. The ladies take drinks and then we get a freeze frame on Catherine taking her drink before cutting back to Lacey in bed with Brian. So the implication here is that Catherine poisoned herself.
0: Yes, in a classic uh, classic game of
1: switcheroo.
0: Classic game of switcheroo, yeah, as I said.
1: Brian asked Lacey how she found him anyway, and she says Vic left a sealed envelope with their lawyers, but she had to wait a year to see it. Brian says, I'm not going to share the million dollars, and Lacey corrects him. It's two million dollars.
0: Yeah, bitch.
1: It's at that point that Shelley walks in the door and, as she has previously, takes a picture of them. Lacey then asks Brian who they should call first. The man at Camp David? Or uh, Jenny, his wife? Shelley takes another picture of them, and we freeze frame as the image zooms out, and we see it superimposed on a hundred dollar bill. As the Spitfire theme plays again. And uh that was the end of Spitfire.
0: Yeah. It's a classic case of blackmail, I suppose. Yeah. Or something. As he's she's gonna get the money. What happened to Doctor Vargo?
1: Doctor Vargo, I don't understand what the phases were exactly. I, think- I know that she I think he wanted to help Catherine poison uh Lacey.
0: Yeah. And get, I think, to get the money is, I think, the ultimate goal, because it would probably go from Lacey then to Catherine, and then he would, she would split it with Doctor Vargo for putting the plan into motion.
1: Perhaps, but I don't know that Catherine was prepared to deal with Brian, the business partner. She might not have been aware of that at all.
0: Yeah, I don't think that was. Uh, she had to wait to get this. have to wait to get the sealed envelope. But it doesn't matter. She's dead.
1: I don't know what sta- what stage three of the plan was, or I guess stage...
0: Phase Phase three, three,
1: three, I guess, was the poisoning? I don't know. Yeah,
0: phase three is the poisoning. You do the poison, then you get the money.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: That's how plans work. There's a lot of moving parts. It doesn't make sense if you just look at one segment of it. That's fair. Okay.
1: Well, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to look at all segments of the plan, and we'll be back to give our final thoughts on Spitfire. Jeremy had a snack attack and had to eat a quarter sleeve of saltines in between Uh, segments.
0: I I got hungry. I don't eat anymore.
1: (laughs) And of course, since it's saltines, it took him quite a while to chew and swallow it all with several drinks.
0: Because I stuffed like four in my mouth at a time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are back on the Raincoat Report and it's time for the Raincoat Review of Spitfire. So Jeremy, take it away
0: that's a machine gun oh yeah that's a spitfire for you um i thought this was a it was a pretty fun movie it's a uh it's got kind of like a soap opera quality to it and that everything is very like it's dramatic and kind of over the top yeah which i think is fun i think that fits the nature of like it's not quite a political thriller but it's it's a film about politics and shady dealings yeah uh more or less and uh everything that goes with it I will say this one doesn't quite have the development of something like say scoundrels or uh, firestorm, which I really liked. Yeah. But there's a, there's something to it all the same. Uh, you got an all-star cast. It's all, a lot of fun. Some yeah. really good performances. Uh, the sex in this film, I think is generally, uh, pretty well shot and pretty well paced. Yeah. There's a lot of sex scenes, but none of them linger on too long. Yeah. And, uh, you get the uh, impression of these background dealings that are going on, even though none of them are, it seems like ever totally explicitly flushed out. Right. Uh, especially not the three phase plan. Right. Uh, which I didn't know existed until like three quarters of the way through the film. Right. But, uh, all the same, I would say I, uh, yeah, it's a fun and playful film. It's pretty light on everything. It's got, uh, a story that's qu- uh, quite a bit of fun and intriguing that I, I think ultimately, like I said, isn't fully developed enough to uh, really get the point entirely across. Yeah. But you know, it's sex and politics. They go together. Uh, the anti-corruption candidates always like the most corrupt guy. Yeah. So y- you get a-, a good sense of that. It's kind of a, uh, like I said at the beginning, like a spiritual successor to something like public affairs yeah where it has a a lot of the same ideas and even the characters where uh joey Silvera is like the uh kind of stupid henchman yeah yeah Uh, but in this one i think he he ends up doing a double cross but it seems less purposeful than it was in like the first one yeah it seems uh, more affairs
1: he's it seems like he's being manipulated yeah, on both sides.
0: Yeah, but I think Doctor Vargo is by far the most interesting character in this because he's uh he's really built up, but is still kind of a mysterious player in all of this. Yeah, and he's like a psychiatrist to like high level government people. I bet he's. I think he's CIA. What do you <laughs> think? Probably Doctor Vargo. I think he was probably involved with MK Ultra and like dosing people and making them do weird sex experiments with like crazy gimp masks that have like a big hose attached to it and you're breathing in farts until they hypnotize you
1: that's uh that's definitely a a movie that we should have seen
0: yeah that's a movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're gonna have to make our own uh mk ultra inspired pornographic film
1: we'll uh we'll figure it out at some point
0: but uh this film i enjoyed it pretty much throughout like i said there's a couple issues with it mostly with kind of having all the story connect i see what he's going for Mm -hmm. but it's just a lot to stick into a film that's just a little under 90 minutes yeah so things don't get developed as much as they could but uh i get three and a half something uh worth checking out but i would say uh Cecil Howard films, I would probably stick to. uh, I would check out something like Scoundrels or Firestorm before I would go for this one.
1: Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, I think, I don't know, I feel like this is pretty much on par with Firestorm. It's in like Foxtrot. It's,
0: I like, I think I like Firestorm more than you, though, overall. So
1: it might be. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, i don't think that all of the different plot threads really get tied together perfectly uh i would say though that the sex is pretty good in this as you brought up and uh while everything doesn't totally a hundred percent make total sense uh there's enough going on that the movie's entertaining the whole way through it's never boring like you said the the pacing of the sex scenes is really good. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of them, but you don't linger on any of them for too long.
0: Yeah, and they're all pretty like good for like what they are as well. So each one yeah. of them, I think, would be like a standout in a lesser film. But uh, it's just wall-to-wall good stuff here.
1: Yeah, so uh, overall, I would also give it three and a half stars. It's pretty good. It's no scoundrels, but it's... Uh, you know, if you're but gonna it watch a, it is spitfire, and if you're gonna watch a porno movie, you could do far worse.
0: Yeah, there are many, many ways things could go wrong, but uh, this one was uh, more interesting to me than your average uh, jerker joint. Let's, <laughs> let's call. It. I'm gonna start calling them that. Jerker, yeah, jerker joints.
1: Yeah, we've got we've got a solid cast here. They do some fun stuff. Uh, it's a good little movie.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a good movie.
1: It's a good movie. (laughs) So uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, If you haven't already, nominate us for Best Podcast for the AVN Awards.
0: Yeah, I think you I posted it on our Twitter. Yeah. Um, You can go there and click the link, and uh, you just nominate us. And as long as someone says our name out loud on TV, that's all we want.
1: Yeah, let's hope.
0: What if we're going to be there? Do you think if like we get like actually nominated they'll they'll call us?
1: I would like to think that they would.
0: We're going to go to Vegas.
1: That would be awesome. I do want to go to the AVN's one year. I, I think want, it'd be pretty cool.
0: I want to go to a a big Vegas hotel where there's a bunch of parrots flying around in the lobby.
1: <laughs> that sounds uh
0: troubling. The birds also do the room service. <laughs> you get a wake-up call from a macaw.
1: Oh yeah. It's a wake-up
0: macaw. <laughs> And, uh, well, I'd love to go there. So, you know, maybe cast a vote for us if you, if you can, if you got the time,
1: uh, but yeah, uh, as you or mentioned,
0: cast a nomination. Yeah. I think you have to get nominated first and then the, I don't know how it d- just goes from there.
1: Uh,
0: I'll, probably based on the number of nominations. <laughs>
1: probably. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So as he said, there's a link to that on our Twitter. At Raincoat Report, which is also our Instagram. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Patreon, as I mentioned before raincoatreport at gmail.com if you need to contact us. We're going to be doing our end of year wrap up. So uh, if you want to reach out to us with any questions you might have for um, us, yeah, yeah. We, can we can answer, answer some questions yeah, on we, the
0: episode. We can answer some questions. Um, so make sure you listen to this one. This week and not later Because then it might be too late
1: Yes, if it is beyond Mid-December 2022 Then it's too late But it, you can always ask us questions anyway
0: Yep And uh, If you're uh, Going across America Seeing our highways and byways And great chastity belts Don't forget your raincoat.
1: coat you <laughs> shake <laughs> <laughs>